At the junction of paralysis and pop culture, this is the Living Spinal Podcast. This week's show is brought to you by Handy Bag. So you guys remember a couple episodes ago, we were talking about a crowdfunded product that was the Handy Bag. Well, they did get all of the funding that they needed to get this product off the ground. So what we did was we reached out to them and said, hey, would you guys be interested in selling the Handy Bag on Living Spinal? They were excited about it. We're excited about it. Now we have a deal with them. They're bringing it into production. And we should have it ready by um, the end of March for the Abilities Expo that's happening in LA. It's super cool product. You can see uh, the video for it and some images on our website. That's amazing. I can't believe we ended up with a product from Kickstarter that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, what a cool thing. It's all yeah. because of you, Ashley. <laughs> it's all because of me. I'm so impressed with no, this. It really is because you found it. <laughs> You were the first one who found it, and then you brought it to our attention. We're like, whoa, this is actually a really cool idea. Yeah, I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah, it was really cool. They've been an awesome company to work with. Um, The guys are out of Israel, and they are um, really moving hard on this thing. Both of the inventor's parents have disabilities. So this individual is very keen and like willing to work with the wheelchair community and just purely trying to make a better world for people with disabilities, which is where all the best ideas come from. So it attaches to the back of the wheelchair, similar to a backpack, but imagine having like a tunnel as the frame of this bag and you can pull out the bag from inside that tunnel. It's almost like a holster. So when you slide that bag into the tunnel, it'll magnetically attach. And so it makes it really easy for somebody who has low hand dexterity uh, or paralysis in their hands to be able to reach around, grab the bag, detach it from the magnet position, and then pull it around to the front and get into the bag. And you're also not reaching around to unstrap a backpack from your wheelchair. Yeah, I think it's such an awesome product, David. I've looked at backpacks, you know, since I've been disabled and never thought boy, there's a new way to do that. And these guys have absolutely revolutionized the way a wheelchair backpack works, solving a couple of different key features. One is that, you know, when you're traveling or out and about, you just can't feel if someone's messing around in your backpack. So you kind of have this slight worry, uh, is my wallet in there, my phone, you know, like medication, different things that people might be messing around with or stealing from you. Um, Whereas with this tunnel that the backpack goes into, it completely protects and uh, hides the backpack from anybody being able to reach in or try to open a pocket, which I think is awesome. The other thing is it's awkward. When you go to reach behind you and dig down in your backpack, usually your backpack's too deep and low. And if you get all the way into the back of your backpack, you'll literally flip your wheelchair over. And so with this, you know, what you would like to do is take your backpack all the way off the backrest canes and then bring it in your lap. But, you know, that takes too long and you feel awkward. Like if you're paying for something or whatever, you're holding up the whole line. So this way, it's like you just roll that back pack forward, get inside of it, and roll it right back behind you. Super sweet. And for those of you who are in power chairs, they have different bags to fit with different power chairs. So the one that we were just mentioning with the tunnel, that's best for like a manual wheelchair. And it can work with a variety of different chairs. But for the power chair, they have like side mount bags and stuff. 
All right, so let's get going. What's up, world? I'm your host, David Winters, recording from Paradise Found, San Diego, California. Here with me from the snowy panhandle of Idaho, Ashley Dillon. Hey, everyone. And from down under the belt loops of America, Andrew Hippert. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hope you're all having a wonderful day. So we've got a great show for you today. We're going to dive deep into the wheelchair news. We got some really cool articles uh, that we wanted to bring to your attention. Also, there's products that are currently being crowdfunded right now on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So we're going to bring those products to you. And we'll also have some plugs for those products on the uh, podcast episode page. So make sure you jump over to livingspinal.com. You'll see the podcast episode link on the left sidebar. And on a more somber note, we'll be talking about depression after injury. This was brought to our attention over the past two weeks because of a post we saw on the Living Spinal Facebook group. Uh, A man who'd been injured for close to seven years posted on the group saying, I hate my life. That was that was the quote. And obviously, that's a red flag for all of us. And what was really cool is to see the response of the community on Facebook. We have close to 3,000 people now. And they immediately started diving into um, what the issue is. They were investigating, why, why is he saying this? Where is he coming from? How long has he been injured? Who is he? What kind of background can we get from him? Um, it was a really beautiful thing to see. So people were commenting and he was responding to them. And I saw that too. And I reached out to you, Andrew, and said, hey, we should really try to do something for this guy. And you ended up reaching out to him. And after he had some time to to process this and, and get some insight from the community, he said, you know, I, I'm sorry for for being emotional with you guys. And, and all of us kind of understood like, this is a serious issue. Depression is a real thing, whether it's a, a short-term situational thing or it's a lifetime situation. We wanted to be able to put together some tools for you to use that. So if you're dealing with depression or you come across somebody else who's dealing with depression due to paralysis or anything related to, to paralysis, you'd be able to to help them out. That is like the key thing. I myself have already had a couple people that have taken their lives and had I known what they were dealing with, uh, maybe I could have stopped it and something I'll always think about. So, Ashley, you did a little bit of research in this to, to see how many people are dealing with depression who have paralysis and how to deal with depression. What, what did you find out? Yeah. Um, well, depression affects so many people, over 11 million people across the United States, um, and then around 11 to 37% specifically with spinal cord injuries. Okay. So this is affecting a ton, ton of people. They're seeing about one in five people with spinal cord injuries or paralysis. One in five. Uh, yeah, which is huge. So a lot of people, they have depression immediately after the injury and you're feeling down and you're trying to cope with this huge traumatic event in your life. But if that feeling doesn't go away and it keeps persisting week after week, then you become, you know, kind of clinically diagnosed as having medical depression. Um, So that's a big differentiation, I think, to look at between right when the injury happens and then, you know, a year down the line or two years down the line, um, you're seeing different bouts of depression pop up. Right. Yeah. Cause there, you know, there, there is a way to, to cope with, with depression and loss. And that's mainly what it is. You know, you, you think that you've lost the ability to, 
um, pursue your your hopes and your dreams. And it's not exactly the case. Sometimes you just have to alter things a little bit. Sometimes you just have to get ready with the the new norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it takes a while to adjust to that new norm. As with any life event, you know, becoming a new parent can really change your mental state. But mm-hmm. there's a couple different ways you can help with that. Like peer groups are huge. Yeah. Um, I know that Christopher Reeves Foundation will match you up with a peer. And so you can have oh, someone cool. kind of walk you through your journey and like meet you at where you're at, which is a huge, like, you know, you can just bounce things off of someone that knows what you're going through. And yeah, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but I'm actually a Chris Reeves certified peer mentor. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm part of that program. So um, it is pretty awesome. They put you through some really good training. It's not like you just get a little badge in the mail or anything. They actually go a step ahead and um, kind of trained you on conflict interaction and like how to help someone and deal with um, different aspects. The biggest thing is just being there for someone, letting them know that, you know, they're not the only one going through these feelings or um, struggling in, on a day-to-day basis. So. I was also doing some reading about it myself after hearing uh, this guy on the Living Spinal Facebook group. And it's kind of the process that that I saw was you're dealing with the grief, you go through denial. You know, sometimes you don't even want to look down at the limb that might have paralysis. You are going through anger and then leading into depression and you're trying to figure out a new way to live. And then the final stage is just acceptance. Okay, now this is, this is how I'm living. What kind of things can I work into my life? What do I find enjoyable right now? You know, some people, they just have to focus on some of the, I wouldn't exactly say simpler things of life, but some of the things that you look into, you start cultivating, and then they become a really big part of your life, like being a, a good listener, right? You think, oh, well, that's, that's easy. Anybody can do that. But to be a good listener, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of, I would say, training and, and energy to, to be a good listener. Or if you wanted to be a good cook, you don't need to be actually at the pan or putting things in the oven to be a good cook. You can, you can help people and teach other people how to be good cooks. Um, One other thing that was kind of interesting, David, is you had mentioned how our support group is something that is really there to be a sounding board and to help people out and how the Living Spinal Group for Paralysis reacted to this person kind of having an outreach and asking for help in his own way by saying, you know, I hate life. You know, not only did people react on the group, several people reached out to me that were group members and wanted me to see if there was something I could do to engage with this guy on another level, which is, you know, part of the reason that I contacted him personally. And it was really good uh, having to talk with him and just kind of getting to the root of like, what is going on? And, you know, for him, it was, it it had become a seven year mark. And, you know, everybody has kind of these these moments in time that are touching or like, oh my gosh, it's been seven years, you know, and whatever. And uh, I guess one of the biggest things that I tried to figure out was, you know, are you doing what you want to in your career and, and what you're your day-to-day life. Well, cause a lot of times people get depressed when they just sit around and they're not doing much. And, and right. one of the best ways to beat depression and spinal cord injury, at least for myself and my own experience is like keeping myself so busy that like, I don't ever feel any pain of like the physical nerve pain and things that a lot of people go through or keep yourself so busy that your mind can't race into places where, you know, it can get dark or, or whatever. So, you know, 
it seems like, oh, you're just trying to like avoid the, the fact of life or something, but it's, it's keeping yourself busy so that you enjoy life, you know, and, th- and that's what it is for everybody and anybody. But I think that would be my advice. Yeah. yeah. Two things that I think would be an, an issue would be dealing with chronic pain. And then the other issue would be you you get injured, you come home, your spouse or sibling or or a family member is now trying to help you. And they were never professionally trained on how to deal with somebody who is living with paralysis and they're just doing their best. And then they start to get burnt out because they they don't know what to do. So dealing with chronic pain and then dealing with the people that are around you trying to help you getting burnt out. How do you approach those two issues? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, kind of a, a self-realization of what's going on, like kind of stepping back and looking at those things, which is probably really difficult to do when you're actually in the moment yeah. and, and this is going on because you don't, you're not having like a self-realization of, oh, I'm kind of depressed and I'm kind of putting the people around me in a bad position and such. I never was able to go there or get to that bad place because absolutely from the beginning of my injury, I always looked at it and said, all right, if I want to like live like this, I'm going to have to really think about other people first and not put them in a position where they feel like lost or helpless uh, because I am lost or helpless because that's exactly what you're going to do to your friends and family. If you don't take it on yourself um, as quickly as you can. So for anybody that's listening or or is dealing with someone that has a disability or you have a disability yourself, I guess that that would be one of the most important things is for them to get to the point where they say, the only person that can beat this is me. And the only way I can get help is by me wanting to do it. Because the biggest thing I've, when I've talked to people that are, you know, dealing with depression or different things, they have an excuse for everything, you know, whether it's, why don't you make your bed in the morning? Well, you know, I can't really reach this. And, oh, you know, well, why don't you get a job? Well, I don't have money to get a job. And it's like, well, isn't that the point of getting a job? You know, or, or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, just like all these different things. They just come up with an excuse for everything. And in the end, you just got to say, I got to own this. No more excuses. Let's start uh, making solutions and not excuses. Yeah. Totally. And a lot of the time it's, it's self-talk in your head. It's that negative self-talk. And I think when you are taking words that other people say about you and then put that into your head and you start judging yourself because of words that they've said, like people are always trying to help me open the door. People are always trying to do something for me because they think that I'm completely incapable of doing this myself. That starts to conform your thinking. And what's hard to to realize is that those people who are saying those things, they lack experience. They don't know how to deal with people who, who have paralysis. So the words that they're saying that are really sticking in your mind mm-hmm. uh, are actually coming from a place of ignorance and ineptitude. They're, they're not able to communicate in the proper way. Just like kind of a throwback to what we talked about on an earlier episode where somebody says, you're such an inspiration. Well, again, that's, that's coming from an able-bodied person who doesn't know what to say. They're just 
They're just trying to get something out right. and it might not be helpful. And sometimes it just is not helpful, but you, you got to take those words that are damaging and reevaluate them. That, that's not who you are. That's not your identity. And you just keep working towards your goals and work, working in alignment with what the community is saying and what other mentors are saying who have been through the same thing. Right. And then to have empathy for the people that are saying these things to you and just realize yeah. that they're, you know, they're trying to come at it from a place of love, even though it's totally misguided. Yeah. Which can be hard to do. Hard to have empathy when you're, you know, when you're the one that's struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make a good point, David. It could easily, you know, if you get told over and over again that you're fat, eventually you might start thinking that you're fat. And, you know, it's like the same thing. Everybody keeps telling you, you can't open a door. You can't open a door and I need to help you. I need to help you. You might start thinking like, I need some help to open this door, even though you're totally capable. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you can find yourself moving into a place like I'm useless, even though you're not at all. Uh, people with disabilities can do damn near anything. Um, you know, Elsa, you made another point. I'm going to get real sidetracked here. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the speech last night to Congress from our Trumpster, Mr. President. Um, Just the last bit. He actually brought in a lady with a real rare disease as an inspiration to America, which I thought was interesting because we've kind of talked about like, you know, is that an inspiration to just have a disability or whatever? I kind of thought it was interesting. Like, yes, the story that he was telling was that this young lady's father like changed his career, became a scientist, I guess, discovered a new medication that saved his daughter's life. And she was only supposed to live till she's five. She's like 15 now. Wow. And developed that. a drug to keep her there. And I was like, why is the father not here? Like, why is the lady in the wheelchair like being shown as the inspiration here? The father's love is like the true inspiration of like, wow, that like drove an American dream to someone yeah. that created a medicine. Develop. I was like, wow, that's awesome. So the story was awesome, but I think they kind of used it a little weird with the disabled person. I remember in your story, Andrew, you said that like you were laying on uh, a mat with a bunch of different people who were who had just recently been injured. What went through your head? How are you combating depression in your own way? I know that you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I was hoping that you could expand on it. Sure. So, you know, kind of what you're talking about is when I was saying my story when I first was injured and, you know, the first six months of my injury was a real battle. And the way that I dealt with it was definitely proving to everybody around me that I was okay and um, diving into a workout program and exercising and doing rehab as much as possible. Yeah. But as far as the people around me, I would say that it had to have been close to 50% or more were definitely depressed. I would say a huge percentage were actually beyond depression and almost in a like state of anger. Mm -hmm. um, and then you had your people that were just ignoring everything. And then there was kind of a small group like me that took it head on. And that's not necessarily always going to be true. It was just what I was seeing around me in the specific moment of the very beginning. Because there's probably going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast who are like, no way, man, I was, I was totally going after it too. You're not the only one. And, and yeah. absolutely, there are a lot of people going after it. Um, and I think that's really the best thing you can do. I don't know. I, if I look back, 
there's no way I would say, oh, it would have been better off if I had been a little depressed in the beginning. You know, one of the things that I did to show those people that I love around me, you know, that I'm okay and that don't be depressed for me and, you know, I'm not depressed for myself was I kept a record of it and I did, you know, I wrote a blog every single day, um, mm. like two and a half pages. So I have like in it for a while. So I have like t- over 200 pages of the beginning wow. of life. And I've actually always wanted to like put that into a book like uh-huh. really into like this point exactly is like, you know, in the beginning people are struggling and like the book would probably end up being for families, like not even for the person because it's pretty hard for the person that's dealing with it to like say, Oh, I'm going to sit down and read a book about me like getting injured, you know, when you're first injured, (laughs) but everybody in their life around them, their mom, dad, brother, sister, best friend, wife, they all are like reaching for every resource they can. That's huge. You, You really need to focus on the community, like what you were in at that time and little outlets to help you process things like what you did writing. One thing that kind of comes to mind is if you are relying on somebody else to give you happiness and that person um, maybe doesn't, you know, it's a family member or it's a friend, somebody that you, you had a joined activity with in the past and, and you're trying to go back to them to receive some type of happiness or encouragement while you're living with paralysis, that's going to be really hard for them to do. And so, it is so important for you to get into a community, talk to other people who, who have paralysis. Anybody who's listening to this, to this podcast can join the Living Spinal Facebook group. It's a, a community of people living with paralysis. We also have therapists who are on there. You need to talk to people who have been through it. And one other thing too that I, I really don't like, it's, it's hard to, to navigate, but when people say, there's always somebody who's worse off than you. Which okay, most likely yes, this is a, this is true, but it's it's still you're focusing on the negativity and what happens when you lose another piece of your mobility, like someone who has ALS, it just keeps progressing. So I think just focusing on the community, um, communicating to people, mm-hmm. uh, not trying to get your your happiness, hope, and encouragement from those who aren't dealing with paralysis, who are your past friends and and current family members. I think that's, that's kind of a, the, the best route to take. And you, you know, if you're depressed and you're angry, you shouldn't be mad at yourself at all. Those are completely normal. That means that you're a human. So if you're processing this depression, it takes time. So don't get down on yourself. If it takes a year or six months or two years, or it continues to, to come back you know, when, when the weather changes, when um, the season change and, and, you know, friends are going back to college or whatever it is, if that depression pops back up, that's completely normal. And you just need to make sure that other people around you can sense that and they can, you know, point you in the right direction, back to community, back to, back to people who are trained in this area. Yeah. And I think, Sorry, Ashley. I was just going to say that a lot of times exercise, you know, can be a really good thing for people with depression. You know, you're creating endorphins that are going to be rushing through your body, which can, you know, really help you chemically. And then it's just this absolute 
cliche thing that people are always like, Oh, you should go play sports. You're in a wheelchair. Like you should get into wheelchair sports. Yeah. But like as someone that is in a wheelchair and as someone that enjoyed sports earlier before my injury, like I have to say that wheelchair tennis and some of the things that I've experienced um, have been really awesome for me. And, And the actual physical playing of the sports is only a small part of it. Um, it was probably the closest community that I ever became a part of was my wheelchair tennis group, bunch of really awesome people that became part of my life. So mm-hmm. that's cool. I just wanted to dovetail on what one thing Andrew said was the advice that people give you when they say like, you know, someone else is worse off, mm-hmm. you know, there are better things that people can say that maybe are more positive and helpful. I have a little list. I'll give you a few, mm-hmm. but just saying I am here for you is just great. It makes no, it has no agenda other than just saying that, you know, you're supporting this person through this journey or we'll get through this together. Um, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this one's super helpful, but you can survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do my best to understand. It's one of a really big one that helps people. Cause you're like, you know, I don't understand, but I'm going to try my best to help you and understand what you're going through. Yeah. Just like the person who's injured, they can only take on so much and take in so much information. It's so important to try to get information into the hands of the people who are surrounding you. Mm-hmm. Part of this depression is, Oh, I just, I just lost something, which equates to, I just lost value. My life has less value. Um, I'm, I have less value and so on. And just even this morning, my daughter, she's, she's about two years old and she wanted me to sing the ABCs and she's obsessed with the ABCs right now. And so I showed her my computer and I started typing like ABC going through the ABCs with her on the computer. And so she was pushing the buttons. And then I realized I am still doing the ABCs. My keyboard is all ABCs and one, two, three. And, uh, and I realized like my value comes from the freaking alphabet. It comes from these keys on my keyboard and there's really nothing that can limit somebody who's in a wheelchair. When you look at people who have ALS and they can't move their hands and they're using a screen to communicate with people simply by their eyes looking at certain parts of the screen, they're still providing value. And most of my income comes from letters, not from like cutting pipe or uh, building buildings or, or doing something like that. So you got to, again, reorient your mind. It took me a long time to get to a point where I can work off of a keyboard. And so it's, you know, you're going to have to hustle. It's going to take a lot of effort and, and education, but you still can have a ton of value with, with things like that. Absolutely. So Ashley, you know, we, we talked about how there's a lot of people with paralysis, one in five that are dealing with depression. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we also talked about when you have depression yourself, how to kind of work through it, bring people around you. Mm-hmm. Now, what would somebody say to another person who has depression? How would we kind of interact with those people and, and give them positive words? I know you, you had kind of a rundown of like, I'm here with you. Uh, I'm going to help help you through this. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any like other tools or resources for, for people that you can give to them? Um, you know, one of a major thing I kept reading was just don't assume anything. Don't mm-hmm. assume you know what they're going through. Don't assume you know what they're thinking. 
you know, just be there and responsive and listen and be open to what they need and don't push your own agendas on them. Um, you know, if someone's feeling down, telling them to think positively, that never helps. Right. Like, I'm not going to be positive. You know, that's, I hate that. Like, or change your attitude. You know, you can't force these things on people, but you can give them the tools to help themselves. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting tools nowadays where if you're bed bound and, or you just, you know, can't leave the house, there's therapy online now. If you go to talkspace.com, mm-hmm. you can even text your therapist and they'll find local therapists around you. So if you do want to pop into the office, you can visit them there. Mm-hmm. But if you are at like three in the morning and you've got insomnia and you need to talk to someone, you can text these therapists. Wow. There's also another app called Happify that helps you kind of train your mind and train yourself to overcome stress um, and negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it's really... They actually say it's evidence-based um, solutions for better emotional health and well-being. Mm-hmm. So just like strengthening your own emotional health is really key. You know, if you can have a strong mind and kind of grapple with your situation, then you can get through anything, I'm sure. Like utilize the tools that are available for you. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, we're going to be sure to put up all these resources on the podcast episode page. So make sure you jump on over there to get links and uh, more information about this. All right, Ashley, our paralysis mobility maven, what do you have for us uh, this week with wheelchair crowdfunded products? Coming straight to you from Kickstarter, we've got the Orochi. I think that's how you pronounce it, O-R-O-C-H-I. It's a dog walking and photography solution for for wheelchair users. Mm -hmm. So gone are the days where you're walking your dog and the dog is actually walking you or the leash is getting caught in the wheels or there's so many problems with trying to walk your dog. I tried to walk my dog with a stroller and it's damn near impossible. (laughs) Um, So this is kind of a, like a hands-free, almost like a tripod that you install onto your wheelchair mm-hmm. and it elevates the leash out in front of you so that there's no problems like you're not going to get tangled and so it's pretty interesting you can also attach your camera to the end of it so it does become a tripod and you can take pictures hands-free mm-hmm. yeah so you can still wheel around but then take pictures with one hand oh yeah i can see the right now i can see the kickstarter page it's like a monopod that goes down to like the foot plate uh-huh. So it's not attached to the top. Huh. So like when the dog pulls on it, that leverage is pushed straight down to the ground. Right. right into the caster wheel, as opposed to like tipping you backwards and having it mounted on the top of your wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then the dog really... stays to the left or right of you the whole time. Uh-huh. That is yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Especially when it gets, and this has happened to me a ton. I have a black lab and, you know, we go for walks and stuff and the leash will wind up around the wheel and it just like gets jammed in there and then now you're like trying to dig around in there meanwhile dogs pulling on it making it (laughs) tighter um it can be a little bit of a nightmare and Mm -hmm. uh like david just mentioned the leverage is totally different bringing it you know where the dog can kind of help pull you instead of uh twist you and take you where he wants to and i actually i think it was a fully funded 
I'm just looking at this now. It looks like you can order it and it's live. Yeah, it looks like they were looking for 3500 and they got $4,100. That's a pretty low price for a Kickstarter. It really is. That's great. Yeah, the product's pretty simple. It also looks like your normal dog recoil leash zips back into it. Oh, right. Yeah. So like the dog can run 25 feet away and yeah. then you can push the button to stop it. Exactly. Yeah, that that just clips into the unit. Oh, and it shows that you can actually mount two of those onto the monopod. So you could have two dogs walking around. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, I see it. You can even attach your phone and your tablet. So you have a hands-free computer screen with your tablet right in front of you. Awesome. Wow. Oh, this, is, this could be useful for a lot of different purposes. Mm-hmm. And Dang. it's less than $200. So... And it's collapsible. It looks like some of the prototypes that he was doing was just a solid piece of metal mm-hmm. hole or something. But this one looks like it has joints in it so that it can collapse out of the way. Like if you're loading your wheelchair yeah. into your car or something. Yeah. Or angle your camera at a level you want. That was really smart. Thank you, Kickstarter. Always cool at companies coming from there. Well, you might just have to give this guy a call. I know, right? Yeah, we should totally get it on Living Spinal. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you, Ashley. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Ashley, for that update on Kickstarter. Coming up next is Miss the Cut. Miss the Cut is where we bring you stories focused on paralysis and pop culture that we feel haven't received enough media attention. So, Ashley, what do you got for us? Yeah, I've got two. One I'm going to briefly go over because it's kind of over my head to understand. But uh, your handedness, so if you're left or right-handed, is actually been found to be associated with your spinal cord and not your brain. Really? Yeah. So in utero, uh, before 13 weeks is when your handedness comes about. Huh. Is that? I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's like your spinal cord is developed faster on one side. Um, I do believe the spinal cord is the first thing to be developed uh-huh. in utero. So, yeah, I wonder if it's something... They say it's related to your motor, motor cortex. Hmm. So I don't know how this relates exactly, but I am and have been right-handed my whole life. And when I was injured, I'm a quadriplegic, okay, but my hands um, were injured differently. So my left hand is actually much better in mobility, like strength wise. And also in the amount of like flexibility that I have, mm-hmm. uh, compared to my right hand, my hand that is my motor dominant hand. And so I literally like drink a soda from my left hand. I want to go and shake people with my left hand now. And I have very slowly become either very ambidextrous or practically left-handed mm-hmm. uh, due to my spinal cord injury. So I don't know if that relates, but there's my okay. take. You never know. You could be the new like subject of a scientific study or something. Did, did you guys ever hear that there's an uncanny percentage of world leaders that are actually left-handed compared to right-handed? Oh, if I'm you look at the ratio of the population, you know, you have a really small ratio that's left-handed, bigger right-handed, but then with leaders, like it's almost 50% or like 25% or something like that. It's because we oh. use the right side of our brain. Yeah. Wait, we? Oh we. yeah. I'm left-handed. I didn't know you were left-handed. I am. I'm a Southpaw. Nice. My, uh, my dad is left-handed and he runs the planet or world of Hippert land. Is that down in Florida? That's just my whole family. 
<laughs> I was like, do you guys own a theme park? <laughs> yeah. It's right next to Disney World. Yeah. Just go there. It's a better version. They have a PayPal account. Pay before you get down there because you'll be disappointed. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. So, you, Ashley, you said you had a two for. Oh, yeah. Uh, second one is pretty cute. You guys are going to have to check out a photo. Okay. There's this turtle named Blade. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Blade has a little bit of a problem, um, some kind of metabolic bone disease that makes him unable to carry his own shell. What? I know. How'd they even find this little guy? His owners took him to the vet because he was being sluggish. Oh. <laughs> so the veterinarian decided to glue Legos onto Blade's belly. <laughs> and you know the little Lego wheels that you can build in cars? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Blade is now able to push himself along and is a happy little turtle now. <laughs> that is a good idea. I should glue some wheels to my butt. You could totally do that. You know, yeah, get the hot glue gun out. <laughs> Wheelchairs are expensive. They are. Well, and for animals, there's no standardized you know, method to help them if they have mobility issues. Mm-hmm. So all the vets have to get really creative. Like I've seen PVC pipes turned into dog wheelchairs and uh-huh. you got to, you know, think outside the box. Yeah. Bust out the arts and crafts, go to Joanne's and Michael's and use some coupons. Yeah, totally. Start making some stuff. And Blade is a happy, happy little camper now that he can push along. I bet. <laughs> God, slow enough being a turtle and then take his <laughs> legs away. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> Sheesh. Well, there's well, my stories for today. Well, cool. You know, I love I, I love any like turtle beat. I love hearing about turtles. Right. You know, I was way into Ninja Turtles as a kid, so it's like right down my alley. It's like a Transformer turtle. Yeah, it totally is. It's like best of like both like kid cartoons. Mm-hmm. I saw a really awesome turtle sunbathing this week. I went to a train show with my father this weekend, and outside of the train show, there was a small pond with a big turtle sunbathing. <laughs> it was like so good, it didn't look real, but it was real. Sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get into my cut here. So there is this very inspirational, close to 80-year-old woman. Her name's Ernestine Shepard. When she was younger, her and her sister they were pretty active. They were like glued to the hip. They, they wouldn't ever leave each other. When they got older, they just started lazing around, sitting on the couch, hanging out. And her sister said, hey, Ernestine, we need to do something. This is dumb. We're like not doing anything in our life now, now that they're, they were closer to uh, 70 years of age. And she said, why don't we start bodybuilding? Why don't we start working out? And maybe we could become you know, the oldest bodybuilders and be in the Guinness Book of World Records. And so Ernestine was like, yeah, let's do it. So they started working out and they're hitting the gym all the time. And, and what was happening actually that Ernestine didn't know was that her sister had a brain aneurysm and her sister was slowly deteriorating. Her sister ended up dying and Ernestine went through depression because of that. Uh, She had like acid reflux and panic attacks that were happening to her. Months later, she had a dream that her sister came to her and was like, Hey, Ernestine, 
you need to accomplish that goal for me. I want you to become the oldest bodybuilder in the world. So Ernestine took that and she, uh, she started working out. She, she has this plan where she wakes up at two 30 in the morning and then she cooks up 10 egg whites, scrambles them, drinks a ton of water, eats a bunch of walnuts and then goes out for like a 10 mile run. And then after that, she gets into the gym and starts working out. So obviously (laughs) she has some time on her hands to be able to do this. Um, But you know, she, she's getting after it. And so she went and had her first bodybuilding competition and ended up winning for her age category. I don't know how many 80 year olds are actually in bodybuilding competitions, but she won. And within a few months of that happening, Guinness Book of World Records reached out to that organization and said, she indeed is the oldest person that's a bodybuilder. So she did get that title on Guinness Book of World Records, which was super cool that they even noticed that. Since then, she started working for a gym and uh, she started with 10 people, teaching them how to work out uh, inside a room. And then now after a couple of years, the, the room is completely packed out and sometimes they have to turn people away from her classes. So she's been a huge inspiration for people, even though she's right around 80 years old, like people will go to these classes and say, Hey, I'm 60 years old. This lady is 20 years older than me. And she's doing all these exercises. She doesn't look like she's 80. She looks more like she's 50 years old. And if you haven't been on Living Spinal recently or seen on our Facebook page, we actually have a wheelchair weight loss guide. You can sign up. It's, it's totally free. You get like these meal plans. We have paleo, vegetarian, uh, slow carb, and I think even the Whole30 meal plan on there. And we have a bunch of different exercise videos. We've seen a lot of great success from people in wheelchairs who are, who are watching these videos and doing these workouts every single day. And we're getting emails back from these people who are losing weight and seeing progress. But it just, you know, it ties back into what you were saying, Andrew, when you're dealing with, with depression or, or paralysis, that's good to get to the gym or to do workouts at home, get those endorphins flowing. It just makes you feel a lot better. Oh my God. She looks amazing. I want to know what she does for her face. Like she has no wrinkles. (laughs) I'm going to have to start weightlifting or something because this is just, she looks good. She's got this YouTube video. She's so chill. She like, she talks probably a third the speed that all of us do. She's a really calm lady. That's probably why she doesn't have any wrinkles. Uh Uh-huh. Researching her a bit too. She's got a new rap game coming out too. She's what? throwing down some mad beats. Wait, she is? Yeah. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Dang. Check it out. Yeah, she's got a music video and everything. Pumping iron. Pumping iron and rapping. I'm yeah. dying. That's good. Pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty, pretty impressive old lady. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, so if you need if you need motivation to get to the gym, look at this 80-year-old woman. Right. She's doing it right. Totally. Life goals. All right, Andrew, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> All right. So my cut this week is about having a baby and being in a wheelchair. So, um, you like know, actually having the baby. Well, it's, it's like more so like being a father, being a mother, um, and taking care of a child and how that changes things, uh, logistically and mm-hmm. emotionally and whatever, it all entails. One of the things that sparked this for me is I'm looking to be a father. And so, you know, I wanted to learn from other people's uh, experiences as to like maybe what they did to 
make things easier in different uh, situations and such. So um, one of the things that I found that's out there and what kind of sparked this as well is there is a TV show going on right now that's called The Rattled, uh, Paralyzed Woman's Story. Mm-hmm. And basically this woman is like C5, C6, quadriplegic. So she actually has very little hand function and it's her story of being a mother. I don't know if she wasn't able to necessarily carry the baby. Everybody's situation is so different. Um, I've definitely tons of women have carried babies in, in a wheelchair, but uh, she did go with like a surrogate or adoption or something. And her husband and her are raising a child right now. And so there's like a TV show all about her being a mom and like the different things she goes through. And it was kind of shocking to me and, or not shocking, I guess it was more like open my eyes. I'm technically a quadriplegic, right? But I'm there's no reason for me to ever say that I'm a quadriplegic. Like basically I might as well be a paraplegic. Like there's some really fine motor skill stuff that's tough with my hands, but otherwise I'm like as blessed as any, you know, paraplegic out there as far as my hand function. And I'm really lucky. And and I watched this lady in this TV show with like very little hand function. And like, she's like at the grocery store and she's trying to get baby food off of the shelf. And she's like putting two hands together to like hold this little jar and then drop it into her cart. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm like feeling overwhelmed just for her. Um, because of how much of a challenge it, things are like, uh, there's this one point where she's changing a baby's diaper. She can't pull the tabs off to undo the diaper. Mm. And so she literally has to get in there with her teeth and undo the diaper straps with her teeth. Wow. There's like all kinds of crazy stuff where she just has to like change the way she does it or get her body in the right place or, you know, make sure that she's thinking ahead uh, to plan out how things are going to work out. One of the things that I saw that was really cool, and I've been asking other people and talking with people because I'm a very mechanically inclined, like I love to build stuff and whatnot. And, um, I'm guessing that I'll probably do something different with my crib because like a normal crib has a pretty tall side where you kind of need to be able to like bend over stand, Mm -hmm. and reach down into the crib to lift a baby out. And on this TV show, I was looking at her crib and she had one custom built. And basically the idea that I had was I was going to take a desk and like build a crib on top of the desk and just have like a shorter rail as the baby was really little until it was like able to start getting up at all and then it would have to have some sort of bigger rail and what she did was basically she had kind of like a desk so the important part was like getting underneath it because if you can't get your legs underneath you can't get close enough to really have the leverage to like reach in and pick the baby up and so she's able to slide get her legs right up underneath the crib and then think of a closet and how a closet has like doors that slide and pivot open you know like folding doors she basically built like closet opening doors trifold doors um that lock from the bottom so she can at like the flat bottom of the crib, she can just open it up and then she can reach right in and get her baby out of the crib and then she shuts it you know, like a closet kind of. So that was really cool. And then my friend David has a child, he's in a wheelchair. And um, one of the things that he did was he took like a swimming noodle and cut like a hole in it 
and he put it over the top of the crib because mm-hmm. he needs to be able to like bend on that, like lean onto that and really be able to like stabilize himself, then grab the kid and pull her out. And like having that noodle along the top made it so much more comfortable than that like top of the crib, just like jamming into your armpit or whatever. So it's really cool seeing all of the different things. If anybody's listening on the podcast and has gone through raising kids in a wheelchair and they have some really cool tips, it'd be awesome if you could comment even just for me or any other people that are looking to become parents on Mm -hmm. wheelchairs. I think the whole like car seat thing is definitely something that's blowing my mind a little bit. It's like, you know, the the seats in your car are, are kind of a little bit in, you know, you get your wheel wells and like the door frame and stuff like that. So like yeah. to be able to reach where the car seat is, is going to be difficult. So I don't know if how exactly all that's going to work. And if people have comments on that, that's one thing that's been interesting to me. I definitely have seen also strollers that clip onto your wheelchair. And so they're like just one set of wheels and then they clip on to your front frame in front of you. And then you can just, you know, push your wheelchair and you got your baby like boom right in front of you, which is pretty cool. Oh, um, dude, the free wheel. You could have the free wheel and the free wheel rack. And yeah, a free wheel rack with a, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Good call, definitely. Um, that's a good solution right there. And that's so easy. Like you said, just have the rack and zip tie it to it and the next one is and i'm definitely gonna get this is uh i'm seeing a lot of dads in wheelchairs and i'm sure moms too um wearing like front um knapsack you know people in general like you don't have to be in a wheelchair to use those things and obviously everybody's like kind of swaddling their baby and there's those things in front of them Mm -hmm. it's nice because you just have your baby like right there on your chest you're talking about the ergo yep the ergo Ergo, so definitely Ergo is going to be pretty bomb for the old wheelchair user. Since Ooh, you'll want the Ergo 360, so mm-hmm. the baby, when it gets older, would be forward-facing, so you can wheel them and they can see. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm going to want I the Ergo 360. I didn't get that one. I got oh, just yeah. the Ergo, and my son hates it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Ooh, I'd say I'd buy it for me. It sounds like it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I know you want the 360. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, some of my takes on it. Some of the cool stuff that I'm seeing and uh, would love for anybody else to, you know, kind of chime in. Um, The other thing that I guess I didn't touch on that much is how are people hurdling some of the issues of like getting pregnant and IVF and how are they paying for things, expenses, you know, should insurance be paying for IVF for someone that's disabled due to an accident versus like they just have fertility issues and it's not due to the accident. Like, is there a difference there? I don't that's know. A good question. You know, cause we're looking at, probably twenty, $25,000 to do around IVF for people. So yeah, like when you research it, it's so expensive. I, we had a friend who she did like three, I think rounds. And this was like back when it was like kind of in the beginning of it. And it was like $50,000 around. And she just, all three rounds didn't take. She went through $150,000 and was like, I guess I'm not going to have kids. So, That's so sad. Yeah, it's like, well. like a good reason to think about adoption, you yeah, know, because adoption's not all, not that expensive. It does, it is expensive, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of options out there. Obviously, everybody is 
excited for like their kid to be their you know spitting image and oh right yeah so but yeah it's a great second option absolutely i'm um, just thinking about that woman who was taken off the diaper with her teeth and even just pushing the car seat button to get your kid out of like the car seat straps. Oh yeah. I'm sure for me, that hurts. if you don't push it in the right angle, it won't disconnect. And the other thing is like, you have to have some system for everything that the kid needs. You need to have a system of how you put their diaper on. I always make sure that her head's on the left and her butt's on the right. Cause if I turned it around, it would take me like four times longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's weird it's those little those little systems that you figure out along the way you know it'd be better to like have that information beforehand to say okay i might have to use my teeth to take the yeah. diaper off i might need to create my own crib and having having like a really good breakdown of what to do which is hard because it's like you don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there's gonna be everybody's challenges are different and balance mm-hmm. and like all kinds of stuff and Obviously, your biggest concern is safety. Speaking of safety, I'm going to just say ahead of time, I do not live in a really bad neighborhood, but some guy was like going to work in the morning. He had his kid in the car and he was like, oh, shoot, I forgot my asthma medicine or inhaler or something. He ran back in the house, grabbed his inhaler, runs back out and squealing tires and his car is stolen. No, oh, right. with the kid was, in the car. With the kid in the car. What and was the kid? Like an like a baby, like just oh, in, no. in a baby seat. And bam, cops are on it. The the dad like like coming kind of went into a little bit of a panic attack. It sounds like oh, yeah. the door is like, have you seen my kid? Or, or like, have you seen? I don't know. He was like acting weird, I guess, as far as questions. And and they're like, oh, we'll help you. You know, let's call the police right away. And, and uh, he was just so stressed out, which anybody would be. And of course, like, you know, this little punk kid stealing cars or whatever, jumps in the car. He's like a yeah. block away. And then he probably hears like the rattle or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. I stole a car with a kid. Yeah. Right? And yeah, that, so that ups the felony offense. Yeah, like a block away. They found it at a grocery store or something like that. He just dumped wow. the car and was like, oh. Wow. I wonder if they found the guy. I don't think they have uh, that we've heard so far. Our neighborhood has like an awesome like community watch thing. Like the other night um, we like got a text message and it was like um, three blocks over kids like um, looking in cars or whatever, go lock your doors. Like we have an awesome like community. It's like a website that uh, allows everybody to be able to chat and talk with each other. And like, if they see anything, they can just bring it up. But so word spread quickly of the baby thief. It was yeah. the baby. Oh thing. man! I think they found the car quick because that could be kind of dangerous if he dropped the car and the baby was you know he didn't roll down the windows or anything. I know yeah. that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, because well, that happens. Cool. That's crazy that you just said that because that was on the news last night. And, oh really? And we we're we we're talking about it like a guy had accidentally left kid in the car too long and it, it died. And apparently, like that several times a year happens in Florida and stuff. And we were all immediately, which is probably what you're thinking right now is like, who the heck would leave their kid too long in a car, like at all in a car, you know, Mm -hmm. but what my wife brought up was that she looked into it more and it's, that's not really what's going on. What happens is someone changes their routine. 
like let's say that um, normally mom brings kids to school every day or whatever and dad brings them to school one day and he just gets into like thinking about work and just drives up at work and parks and goes inside and he's like totally brain farts like oh i'm bringing the kid to school or whatever wow and he just parks at work and then goes out to lunch and finds this kid out there you know what i mean and that's oh, the kind gosh. of it happens that way. Like they just don't realize, you know, something. Yeah, they start going on they had, Yeah, yeah. So what she said was the solution for that was like if you ever are out of your routine with your kids in the car and stuff like that, that you take your briefcase or something and you put that in the back seat with them, or like oh, good thinking. try to create a trigger, like whatever you need for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like crazy to even think you'd have to do that. But like, yeah. honestly, I, I can see myself doing it. I mean, I'm like okay. one track, like not that awesome at multitasking sometimes. I think there's alert systems you can put that like sense the weight of the child in the car seat for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I know that like when I get into autopilot, I hop on the same road and the same same back roads and then you're like wait i should have totally gone the other way it'd be way faster mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's weird because you know it's not a malicious thing that you're doing and obviously it's a horrible thing for your kid to die in the car mm-hmm. but if you were to think about the next step like oh well let's prosecute this guy as a criminal and now you're totally messing up the entire family yeah. because that person is now in jail. I don't, I don't know how they deal with that, but yeah, I don't know either. Probably yeah, unintentional manslaughter. Or something. Yeah, yeah. They prosecute. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does happen. Like I'm not going to say on the air here who or anything like that, but I had a friend just telling us a story. Like we were, it was all these, like uh, we were talking about how we wanted to have kids and they were like, Oh man, you'll be great parents. Like we all have had our moments like mm-hmm. oh, such and such, like bounced off the bed one time and such and such did this. And one of the stories was she was like, I was heading to school to pick up one of the kids and uh, we picked him up. And then she was like, Oh, Timmy, Susie's being so quiet back there. Like, is she sleeping? And Timmy's like, uh, Susie's not back here, mom. And she's like, what? oh crap and like just set him next to the door in his car seat those are all fake <sighs> names by the way and like um, went to school to go pick up their other kid and sure enough like just she's still she got home she's just sitting in her car seat all strapped in sleeping next to the front door like, oh my god you house, you know just like all sitting oh, down no. but but like i would be falling i don't think i can handle that yeah it's like the same situation but what if the house is 120 degrees, you know? What a, I mean, everybody has seen the coffee cup on the roof scenario. Yeah. Imagine that with the car seat. Oh, man. I totally just did that recently. I just got these uh, earbuds for my birthday that are like the wire, little wireless ones. Mm-hmm. I set them on the tailgate of my van. Uh, I drove like... 40 miles and then didn't think anything of it drove all the way back like opened the hatch where we were just shot it again drove all the way back and then later on i was like oh i gotta try those things out i'm like where are they and i was like oh my god last time i I had them, i was on the tail and like there they were just sitting on the tailgate in my van they had wow. traveled like two hours 
<laughs> totally locked up. Anyways, we're getting a little off subject here. Don't um, do that with your kid. Yeah. Don't protect okay. your children. Yeah, protect well, your children at all costs. <laughs> well, that's it for Miss the Cuts. Up next, we're going to do a little update on Living Spinal and what's happening at this year's Abilities Expo in LA. Super excited. Um, it's coming really quickly. Uh, March 24th, 25th, and 26th is the LA Abilities Expo, which is the largest of the Abilities Expos. Um, there's like five or six throughout the country, and I think there's even one in Canada this year. There's probably like 7,000 people that walk through this show, and it's just an awesome experience. This will be Living Spinal's fourth year, which is incredible at the show. We are going to do a couple little spoiler alerts. One, we're going to be doing some wheelchair water skiing. Yeah. Two, we're going to be doing some Facebook Live. So some of you that are all across the country, because Living Spinal is nationwide, and you know, obviously we provide products for people all across the country. If you don't have the ability to fly or drive to LA, then you can Facebook Live with us, where we're going to give you a tour, like. Uh, maybe go to some of our favorite booths and show you our booth for sure. We have two products that are getting their grand opening, the official launch of the product. One is, drum roll please, there we go, is Handy Bag, which is actually we talked about earlier today. <laughs> Handy Bag is going to be off the hook and awesome, actually rushing us about 20 units for the show. So if you want to be the first person in the United States to have a handy bag, come on down to the Abilities Expo and we're going to have a couple for sale. The next thing is the Liberty P1, um, which is straight out of Germany. That's Yeah, um, it's the self-balancing wheelchair, but it's yeah, on an air wheel. Exactly. So that's the excited part about it is that this one is using one of the least expensive powertrain units, which is like David mentioned, an air wheel. An air wheel runs for like $2,600, whereas a Segway can be seven grand. So you're talking four plus thousand dollars in savings just on the powertrain. I personally have a P1 Liberty at my house and I go for dog walks and bike rides and I go frisbee golfing. And I'll tell you, it is one of the things that keeps me most active and having fun with a big old smile on my face, which is so awesome. In fact, I just, I have some neighbors that run this huge volleyball tournament called Beach Bums. And every month they have a huge volleyball tournament. And it's tough because I always want to join them, you know, out on the sand and in my normal wheelchair, it's just not really feasible. The sand is too thick and mm -hmm. kind of drags you down and makes it so hard to move around that it's not fun. And the last volleyball tournament that they had, I was able to take my P1 Liberty and bring it to the volleyball court and it crushed it on the sand. I was nice. surprised how well it did because, you know, some of these seated segways, you got to go with the off-road version, which is the X2, which is, you know, a little bit more money. Right, um, and wide wheels. And super wide wheels, so you can't get through normal doorways. Where the P1 Liberty goes on the air wheel, and the air wheel has pretty knobby tires for being a narrow base, and I was so excited. It was really fun, and then... I kind of had a, a really neat thing happen to me the next day. One of my friends 
who was at the volleyball tournament said, you know what's really cool about that thing you were on the other day, that P1 Liberty? He's like, after you left the volleyball tournament, about six or seven people came up to me and said, your friend, um, that thing he was on was so cool. Like, what was that? And I totally want to try that next time he's here. And he's like, well, Andrew's in a wheelchair, so you can't just like take it from him while he's here. And they're like, what? He's in a wheelchair? I didn't, I didn't know he was in a wheelchair. I just mm-hmm. thought that was a cool device he was on. And that's something that self-balancing mobility devices do for you. You don't get that stigma of being in a wheelchair. Someone thinks that you have like a really fun, cool thing and yeah. they want to be a part of it. It's just kind of a neat thing for someone that's been in a wheelchair seven years now. There aren't many moments when you're like, oh, cool. That guy didn't think I was in a wheelchair. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Was that the S5 or the S3 air wheel? It's the S5. So they actually can make the P1 for both the S5 and the S3. I went with the S5 because it has the much larger wheels that are like pretty much the size of a Segway i2, uh, but they have a knobbier tread pattern, which is what I believe is giving me, you know, the most mobility in the sand. So nice. Yeah, it's really awesome. Love it. I'll probably go for a walk on it tonight. Dang. So that, that'll be at the LA Abilities Expo. It will. Sweet. So we got the handy bag launch. We got the Liberty P1 launch. Yeah. And we have several other demo products that are all going to be there. In fact, I have the Abilities Expo planning chart in front of me and um, it's got all of the demos that we're going to be bringing to the show. So one of the things is we're going to be selling Snap-It cup holders. It's by far the most revolutionary cup holder that snaps right onto your wheelchair. No tools needed and super durable. I've had mine for four or five years and never been able to break it even though I try often. The next thing is the Firefly by Rio. It's a wheelchair attachment, one of Living Spinal's best products. Turns your wheelchair into an electric uh, motorcycle with just a clip of a couple seconds uh, mounting it onto your chair. We're going to have free wheels for sale and there to demo. We're going to have Qualca bags, which is an awesome bag that just clips on and zips off really fast. You can lock it to your wheelchair. We're going to have Sumo wheels, which is a living spinal only product. Basically, it's a fat set of tires that go onto your chair to give you better off-road capability and better abilities in sand. Uh, That's the biggest thing is like how wide is your tire and are you going to sink down into that sand? You have to be able to float over the different types of terrain. Exactly. And the, the sumo wheels are meant for an add-on, right? So you would have your normal everyday tires and then you're like, I'm going to go out to the yep. park, go take the dog out. And then you just pop those off, put on the sumos and then you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. So we, we outfit you with a little wider axle pin and then a spacer in between so that we bring those fat tires away from you a little bit so they're not rubbing on you. And uh, you can do exactly what you said, just pop the wheels off and put on the sumos for a certain event. Or if you have a spare backup chair, a lot of people like to kind of get that one really outfitted nicely. And then you have, you know, one for each type of thing. You don't have to do any switching around. Some people, that's the more of their style. The next thing is Smart Drive. Smart Drive's got the new MX2 Plus. Uh, the Plus just came out. Uh, this is like the fifth generation of the Smart Drive. Mm-hmm. By far one of the best products that we've ever seen. We did an interview with uh, the owner, Mark. And um, 
you have to come to our booth, come check out what the new plus can do. Basically it's interacting in all kinds of new ways and also has capabilities kind of like a uh, Fitbit uh, on your wrist so you can fit it into your workout programs. In fact, that's something we need to do. We need to incorporate into the fitness plan that everybody's geeking out about is living spinals wheelchair fitness plan. We need to put some ways to incorporate new users on the smart drive MX2. That'd be a great idea. Uh -huh. um, then after that, we've also got frog leg hair guards. Frog leg now makes a hair guard. Like if you're sick of hair just winding up in your front wheels and eventually destroying them, rusting out your casters and ruining your um, your bearings. Frog Legs has actually created a solution and Living Spinal is a distributor of this product where you basically take away the spacers and add in hair guards. I definitely have them on my own personal chair and uh, I recently changed out to some different wheels on a, on a chair, swapped them around and I was like, all right, let's see it. Here's the glory moment. You know, it's been a year of having these hair guards on how much hair is going to be in there? Zero. Wow. Zero hair in the bearings. Like Dang. unheard of. Like it takes two weeks and your, your bearings are full of hair. Mm -hmm. so, uh, that's for I mean, itself. Yeah. Anybody that's worked on wheelchairs or has ever even just seen someone cleaning them out, burning them with a lighter, it's nasty stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Imagine. Yeah, the next thing is the pop and drop. We're gonna have a demo of the pop and drop there. We'll have a yeah, we'll have a demo of the intimate rider there, which is a huge mobility product in the bedroom. Um a demo? Yeah, we'll have a demo there for wow. sure. Someone wants to jump on and see whether or not it's a good fit for them to um, be able to transfer onto it. That's like going to be their biggest barrier is whether it's easy enough for them to get on and off. So mm. it might be a smart move for them to come by the booth and see if the intimate rider is the right thing for them. We're also going to have a demo of the Will, which is a very revolutionary wheelchair power chair. The Will just came out with their Will M model, which is basically like the medical model, which is able to be billed through insurance. So if you haven't taken a look at the wheel, you definitely need to do that. We'll have a Blue Mill 9-Bot. We'll have a Going on a Segway. We'll have a P1 Liberty on an air wheel. So if you want to come down and see three different models on three different powertrains to really see the full like flexibility of the market, definitely come check out our seated Segways. Living Spinal is by far the leader in seated Segways and self-balancing mobility devices in the United States. We'll also have a Dragonfly, which is an add-on wheelchair hand cycle, so you can turn your everyday chair into a hand cycle. We're gonna have handy bags, which we already mentioned, and we will have tires and tubes, mesh undercarry baskets, foam protectors for your frame, keep your frame looking nice and not scratched up and dented, and then super grips, which is a product where you can turn your aluminum hand rims into a coated vinyl rubber hand rib so that you know if you're having difficulties pushing your wheelchair or you're slipping on certain situations, this is an easy way to change your hand rims into a coated, much grippier super grip is what we call them. And the super grips, what's so cool about them is it's like 150 bucks or so for a set of coated hand rims, whereas a set of super grips is $59.99 and way easier to replace 
And, you know, when a set of coated hand rims start getting chewed up eventually, you know, you literally have to replace the whole thing. And so that means taking off your tube, your tire, all your bolts for your hand rim covers, taking off that hand rim, putting the new one on, bolts, tubes, tires, everything again. Whereas with the super grips, they just roll on, you know, and they stay on. You know, I've never seen one like get loose and start coming off or anything. Incredible. And then this one, David is going to love because this was his idea. We are going to have chromies. I don't know if you remember being a kid and stooping up that GT or that Mongoose or one of those sweet little dirt bikes that you had. Um, we are going to bring back those childhood memories and we're going to have a series of different chromies. And if you don't know what a chromie is, basically on your wheelchair tire, you have where you put in the air, you have a air cap. So you can unscrew that cap and we're going to replace it with a stylish, fun, cool chromie at a low, low price. <laughs> Something to just, you know, that extra bling, you know, yeah. When yeah, if, you, if you've club, ever seen uh, Pimp My Ride, it, it's right down that alley. Exactly. You know, I, I got us some, some chrome skulls. I got us some uh, cool like crowns, which doesn't sound that cool, but once you see it, it's pretty cool. I got some 40 caliber bullets that are chromies. Actually, I got a lot more than that. Yeah, you better save some, so a little anticipation. That's um, right. You know, when you're out at the club and you're sitting there with all your wheelchair buddies and that wheelie chaser girl comes over and she starts checking out all your rides mm -hmm. and seeing who's the coolest, and you've got that extra bling, that little bit of chromie, you know she's going to pick you to buy her a drink. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be awesome. Or at least you'd be the first one to buy her a drink. Because <laughs> you'd have that confidence. Yeah. With those you got that swag. You, you know what I mean? Swagger. <laughs> yep. These are the fun things in life. And for, you know, five bucks. Ooh. You're really selling people hard on this. I like it. <laughs> I'm just having fun. All right. So anyways, a lot of fun stuff going on at the Abilities Expo. See us live on Facebook Live come to the show. The show is free or check out, you know, go to livingspinal.com and get onto our newsletter and we'll have like updates and a follow-up on how the show went. Cool. Nice. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Living Spinal Podcast. We want to give a special thank you to Handy Bag out in Israel. Uh, we're really excited to see the product, to get it in our hands, and to show the rest of the world how cool it is. We have dealers that are popping up all over the United States. So soon enough, you'll be able to go to a local dealer and pick up the Handy Bag or simply go to livingspinal.com and order it. All right, that's it from us. I'm David Winters. I'm Ashley Dillon. And I'm Andrew Hippert. And we'll talk to you next time on the Living Spinal Podcast.